Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. Greg Hoffman here, Logan Paulson there. Mailbag, mailbag edition of the show here on the Commanders bye week. All right, next question comes from our guy Teresh, uh, who's just he, he Teresh uh, works like behind the scenes in media. Um, and he just always has the coolest facts. He always has the coolest stuff where he, like great data, great this, great, great thinking, uh, you know, uh, just just great like thought-provoking questions. So he goes, I'd like for you or for Logan and you to share some examples of things he noticed from assistant coaches he's worked with that showed him they were capable of leading a franchise as a head coach and not just an X's and O's guy. Hey, that's a that's a really good question because it's um it's kind of hard to know. There is a an element of like this dude's a brilliant football guy, right? Like uh, I think uh, let's just take the guys that I worked with, like Sean McVay, for example. I think it was mm-hmm. very clear very early on that he was going to be something special because he had this ability not only to like understand football and football was important. I mean, he was a grinder and a worker, but he also had this tremendous ability to relate to players. Right. Like he'd go through the hallway. Hey, you know, Logan, what's up? Hey, London, how you doing? And he'd have a little joke. And it was like very easy and uh, for him to kind of relate to every single person. You take someone like Mike McDaniels, who was obviously very smart, even when he was here, you know, very, very smart. And then again, in San Francisco, very, very smart. But his personality is a little bit different. And you've seen that in like the countless social media clips. Like he's a little bit quirky, a little bit funny, a little sarcastic. And you're kind of like, how is that going to play in front of a group? And there was a period of time before I got with him in San Fran, where I was like, I don't, I think he's a brilliant coach, but I'm not sure how that's going to play when he's the head coach. But again, he's kind of taken his, you know, his his personality and found a way to relate to players. Kyle too, I think is interesting. Kyle, when I first was here with him, was a little bit standoffish. You know, he wouldn't say hi to you. It was very kind of in his own head, very like a beautiful mind. I'm thinking about something all the time. And when he got to San Fran or when I went to San Fran and he got the head coaching job, it was cool to see him kind of take the thing that he was excellent at and use that to relate to players. So he would never do a team meeting without film in front of him. And he kind of laid the foundation through watching film and and showing players his command of football. And then everyone's like, oh, my gosh, Kyle's awesome. I respect Kyle. Defensive guys like the way he installed that cover three or the way he talked about our cover three. He knows what's up. He's going to get us right. And then it took him probably a year and a half to two years, but then he started doing the Sean McVay, you know, kissing babies, shaking hands type of thing. And that totally changed. And so I think if there's one thing that is so important for a position coach, it's that they are, in my opinion, in my experience, even Matt LaFleur was like this. Matt LaFleur is probably more similar to Sean, smart guy, 
extremely obsessed with football would be the other thing that's important. Obsessed with football, and he had that kind of charisma. And you see that up in, in Green Bay. So I think that, to me, is the main thing. Are they obsessed with football? Like, obsessed with football. Like, eat, sleep, drink football? Because that's what those guys are. They sleep at the facility. They talk about football. Kyle, I remember saying, like, the way I value you as a person is how how you approach football. And that's how they all are. They're all super dialed in like that. So are they obsessed with football? And can they relate to the players? And I think the thing that those four examples show you is that everyone can relate in different ways as long as you find that that mode of connection um, that, that helps you uh, convey your obsession with football at a high level. What I think is interesting about those guys, having listened to the Playmaker series, and I yeah. just read a long uh, Washington Post profile a couple of weeks ago on McDaniel, is I don't know if they would agree with the last part to the extent they did when they coached you. I think all of them, as they've gotten a little bit older, have gained some perspective. McDaniel specifically talks about this in the post piece where he's like, I can't sleep at the facility anymore. Like I just right. refuse to do that because I realized I wasn't as good of a coach because sleep is really important. And you, you hear um, him say in a team meeting during hard knocks or a, a team huddle after a practice on the short week, he's like, go sleep. Sleep is the most important thing you will do this week. Please go sleep. And so I, I do think it's interesting how the concept of a human touch evolves over the course of a coaching arc and a career um, as people evolve as human beings. I know Sean, obviously Sean just became a dad for the first time. Um, and I think that when he got super burnt out a couple of years ago and was ready to retire, like he and his wife, Veronica, uh, looked at things and were like, maybe, maybe we need to find ways to take a step back a little bit. Absolutely. But I think that, I think that like, there's still an obsession there and, and learning out how to channel it is something that happens as you get older and you progress in your career. There's another great saying, um, that I love just generally, um, this is like great life advice, uh, more than it is like football coaching, but you know, grind when you're young, so you don't have to, when you're old, like you mm -hmm. learn how to work smarter as you get going, but what doesn't get lost is the obsession, how it manifests itself is certainly super important. So if I'm, if I am looking for a younger head coach, I want someone who has that grind, that, last one in the facility, burn the midnight oil type of attitude where I'm a little less concerned about that if they're a little bit older and they have a, a more advanced mastery of it. But what's important through all of that, the through lines are exactly what you said, obsession with football and do you have the human touch? And I, I think I've told this story before, but I was, uh, I was with McVeigh at one point and you know, there was a TV on and he, uh, like there's the NFL top 100 and Jordan Reed pops up and he's, you know, wherever he is on the list that given year. And he just immediately is like, I got to text, I got to text Reed. And, and it's like the middle of the off season. And he's, he's texting Jordan Reed, like just being like, man, you're the best. Like, you're so great. Like, mm. I, I'm so lucky to coach you. Like he had a way of building guys up and a way of connecting with them and a way of, of making them feel seen and valued. And, and McDaniel talks about this a lot. Um, if you read some of his stuff, if you watch uh, the in-season hard knocks, like that way. And like Kyle, it sounds like he went about it differently where he'd be like, I care about you if you can help me win football well, games. But it's but also like, like made you feel valued. But to like, your point, though, it like it changed. It evolved. You know, it started mm -hmm. as this very austere, very serious thing. And then the personal touch developed. But I'm saying it all it started for him in his yeah. mastery and his relationship to football. And I think like that's. And the other thing, I think there's a third element here. Like those dudes are all brilliant guys. And I don't yeah. use that as like a, I'm not being hyperbolic there. Like they are brilliant guys. Like when you sit and talk to them about football, 
you're like, you are one of the top 10 smartest people on the planet on this subject matter. And they would just, they would, they would kind of um, downplay that obviously, but like, it's obvious the proof's in the pudding. So um, I would just say it's that obsession, but there needs to be a natural gift. And I think you just, in the interview process, you'd be able to see that, right? There's a lot of smart yeah. guys, but are there those special guys? And all, all four of those guys that we talked about, even LaFleur, you know, he gets forgotten a little bit in that mix, but he's, he's one of those guys too. They, they have a grind, they have a process. It's a very clear vision. I think that's the other thing that is getting a little bit more technical as opposed to those kind of major points we alluded to is they understand their vision very, very clearly yeah. for what it is. And so in that interview process, if the guy's like, oh yeah, we could do this or we could do this. I don't know if he's the right guy for me because I want him to say like, this is where, this is where I think football is at now. This is where I think offensively we can take football. And I think they all had a good understanding of that. I think Sean in his first or second year in LA when that offense really innovated and they did some really uh, high level stuff, like he took football to the next level. Sean LaFleur, I mean, you see McDaniel in, um, in Miami doing it all the time. LaFleur this year, elevating Jordan Love. Like you just see how they understand how to maximize what they're doing, how they, the, the, the hunger to bring in defenses that give them a hard time and work against them every single day. Like, there's something really special uh, technically in the drive, but also it's you can't forget about like obviously there's the the brick and mortar stuff that you're building. Oh, we're building offense. We're talking football, the intellectual stuff, but there's also the interpersonal stuff which they've all mastered. So I think those are things that I would really just kind of if I'm hiring, those are things I'm looking for. Yeah, and then I mean the other thing that I would say is you have to be able to teach it, um, and that's like and I'm just trying to think of other things too where like I think of Brandon Staley in L.A. I don't know why he's not working. Um, right. like he is too defensive football. What those other guys seem to be offensively, like the way he thinks about it. Um, you know, and, and he obviously went toe to toe with Sean, uh, for a couple of years in practice. Like he's one of the number one Vic Fangio disciples. Like he was the one who invented a lot of this like star coverage and was like, you want to know what? We got Jalen Ramsey. We're not going to play Jalen Ramsey at corner. We're not going to play him at nickel. We're going to play Jalen Ramsey at Jalen Ramsey. Like he, he figured out how to do that in an effective way um to feature certain skill sets and he seems to be very in touch on an interpersonal level with players and the way he talks about like humanity and and that kind of stuff um and it just hasn't worked and so uh -huh. i i wonder like what the sh i i would want to know what the shortcoming is for brandon staley that mcveigh and shanahan and mcdaniel and lafleur have and like know what that thing is and then look for, make sure that the guy that I'm going after doesn't just check three or four boxes, if you will, but checks four or four, you know? Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I think the thing that I would I would assume, and I haven't worked with Brandon Staley, obviously, and I don't know him, yeah. but having dealt with people that have worked with him, there is a there's a competitiveness in Sean, in Kyle, in Lafleur, in McDaniel's that is is high level. 
you know, like, so they're going to compete in practice. They're going to still, while still maintaining, like, I think you can go two ways, like as a coach, right? You can kind of push your your glasses up your nose and be overly technical and be overly nerdy, right? And I mean that with all due respect, because that's how I am as a person. I'm overly nerdy when it comes to football. And you can also kind of be overly sympathetic, but you got to remember that football is a, is a violent physical game, you know, and I want violent, physical, competitive sons of guns. And I need to lead those people in a way that gets that out of them. I think yeah. that's where you see, like when you watch San Francisco and you watch the defense and you watch the mindset, you watch the run game, like it is, it's, it's awesome, you know, and, I, but that's, that's a culture that they've bred there. And uh, you can see to them take it out of the the same tree that we're always in, like Dan Campbell in in Detroit. A perfect example. Love that example, right? He like yeah. there's a there's a there's a there's a toughness, there's a mindset, there's a culture there that's fantastic. So um, I think that's something that I would kind of point to and say, like, you need to walk that line really carefully of saying, you know, I'm really smart. Um, I relate to players really well, but also I know how to push and get this kind of this this barbar this this barbarian out of them and get them to execute it in this way so and it, it's a fine balance and there's a reason it's hard to find good young head coaches but i think when you look at like D'Amico ryan's in houston and again he's kind of from that kyle tree like smart guy relates to the players well but also no one would doubt that he's an absolute warrior you know i played against him when he was in philly like he's an absolute warrior and he i'm sure he brings that mindset to his coaching philosophy you know yeah. Salah, sirianni like seems to have that in philly <clears throat> speaking of yeah, and yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. You see Sirianni getting after and getting fired up. And I think when you look at Salah, like he's the nicest guy you've ever met, but he is a competitive son of a gun who knows how to motivate guys to play hard. And I think that's another thing that you see in some of these young kind of rising head coaches that's so, so important. It's the smart, the relationship to the players, but it's also can you motivate that kind of uh, primal aggression, I think, is also something I would look to. Yeah, Dable, I think, has that in New York. Um, obviously, yeah. both New York coaches are dealing with pretty crappy rosters right now, so the records <laughs> don't necessarily reflect it. Um, but I would agree with you on Salah. Like, he's a great example of it. Um, you know, you watch Hard Knocks, the preseason edition, and, like, ready to run through a wall for that guy. Yeah. Um, I think that's a, that's a great call, um, which leads us to the obvious follow-up uh, before we take our final break here. Is there someone out there right now who you think fits that mold? Who you're looking at? Like, what's the what's the wish list? I know we that we're we're doing the same list as everybody else at this point to an extent. Um, like, we haven't, you know. But you also know people around the league, so maybe you do have a slightly different list. Um, and one of the names that's going to come up is a guy you know very well, and Frank Smith, who's the OC down in Miami, um, was your tight ends coach in, in some previous stops. Um, yeah. I, I look at him. I look at Ben Johnson um, in Detroit, who I'll talk about more in a second. Anybody else that's that's on the list that you think fits uh, that mold that we were just talking about? I mean, those two guys for sure, because it's easy to kind of draw a corollary to offensive coaches. But for me, like Dan Quinn has to be on the list. You know, like he's a guy that I have the utmost respect for having played for him in Atlanta. A guy that I think understands. This is something that I think is so important. Understands the importance of offensive football. Like you're a defensive coach you got to make sure that offensive hire is out of this world. And it's something that he talked about with me after he, he left Atlanta was like, just, Hey, like that's, that's something I really got to prioritize. So knowing that that's on his agenda, I think Raheem Morris, a guy that mm. was here, you know, I was with him in Atlanta. Also, I know he's been in LA. I know he's, I, I know he's, he's one of the brightest football guys I've been around. He knows how to relate to players and hopefully, you know, from his first stint in Tampa, he's learned how to motivate guys and kind of get that kind of get that competitive edge out of them. So I think those are two guys on the defensive side of the ball 
that I would point to. Obviously, Bobby Slowick, I know he's only been a year coordinator down in Houston, but what he's done down there is tremendous. Like, it is tremendous. And again, that's all Kyle. That's the Kyle Shanahan tree just continuing. But I think having an understanding of what Kyle does, what McDaniel does, what LaFleur does, what Sean does, what, you know, some of the best offenses in football do and have that hunger, have that drive, and be able to relate to the younger players, I think is another thing that's so important. And you see that with Dan, the way that defense is playing, you know they relate to him, right? You see that with... hat DQ. Yeah, and you you see that with Raheem and the defenses that he coaches. So I I think those guys are some names that, um, you know, I want to interview them, I want to talk to them, but, you know, having played with them and having watched the product that they've cultivated over the last, you know, three, four, five years in some cases, like, I I would feel very... um, I, I would I would assume that they've evolved in their coaching perspectives and and are ready for that opportunity. Yeah, I think I think those are all really good names. Um, so my guy's always been um, the the guy from Detroit, um, Ben Dan Johnson. Johnson. Yeah, uh, Ben Johnson. Um, the OC, ben Johnson. Yeah, the OC from from the Detroit Lions, right. and you know. Dan Campbell obviously uh, is, is is a huge part of that culture there. He's the, the tone setter. Um, but you look at their first year when they had Anthony Lynn and then what they did with Jared Goff years two and three now with Johnson is the OC. And, you know, he's able to create one of the league's best offenses without a super elite premier quarterback. And that is incredibly huge. appealing. Like, is Sam Howell more likely to be Jared Goff than Patrick Mahomes? Hell yeah, he is. And so can I create a league's best offense with him and you know Amon Ross St. Brown level like Amon Ross St. Brown's incredible but is he Jamar Chase no does he produce like Jamar Chase damn near for long stretches of seasons he does so I I like that guy and and I was even more sold on this last week when we had Adam Amin on the radio show um and Adam uh Fox Sports play-by-play who obviously did the commanders game with Mark Schlereth last week um Adam's had Detroit a couple times over the last couple years and I asked him, I was like, hey, you get to do all these production meetings and you get to talk to coaches, you get to talk to OCs, you get to talk to DCs. Is there anybody that really stands out to you as like, that guy's ready for a head coaching job? And, you know, he's he hasn't had everybody. So it's not, this is right. not to discount anyone that, that you just named that Adam might not have had an interaction with. I'd actually be curious to follow up with him and see what he thought of Frank Smith uh, down in Miami after, because he hadn't had their production meetings with Miami yet. And that was his first time having Miami this year. But he goes, Ben Johnson is in a total class of his own. Like his ability to command a room, his ability to do all the head coachy stuff, even though he's the OC, is right there. And it's one broadcaster's opinion in a production meeting. But like we in this field have seen a lot of stuff. Adam's talked to a lot of people over the years. Like Adam has done college football. He's done, done the NFL. He's done the NBA. Like Adam's been around a lot of really good coaches in his career. And if he's like, that dude's got it, I tend to trust that evaluation. Obviously, Adam can't tell you what his X's and O's are. Can't tell you what he's like behind the scenes. But like that it factor that you want in the head coach that Sean has, that Kyle has, that Matt has, that Zach Taylor has in in Cincinnati, that Kevin has in in Minnesota, that the best coaches in this league have, very clearly Ben Johnson has it. And so he he has consistently been at the top of my list. And I also think philosophically, I like the way he thinks about the game. And I would say the same is true for Smith. I would assume for most of the other names you mentioned as well, like the prioritization of getting your best players the ball, being creative in in how you do that, and a healthy run-pass balance that makes your quarterback's job easier on the offensive side. Like that that is the philosophy that I think is best in the modern NFL. That's what I would be looking for. I'm not Josh Harris, so we'll see. 
No, but I, I think that's when you're looking for an offensive perspective and a cultural perspective, I think it doesn't get much better than that. You know, like you talk about a culture and, and turn around really quickly and having a clear vision. Like he's been part of that. He's been part of that build. And I think that's another yeah. reason why Frank Smith is so appealing too, is they've been part of a culture shift, you know, and it's all stemmed from an offensive philosophy, but like you see the importance in McDaniel's case of, and, and again, I, I reference McDaniel's because Frank is under his tutelage. Like, like, yeah. um, like Ben is under Dan, like they made the decision to go hire Vic Fangio this off season. They made the decision to go get Tyree kill. They made the decision to bring in Jalen Ramsey. You look at Dan Campbell's drafts. You look at the perspective that they have as a physical team. Like you've seen how to build a, build a roster and then maximize the most important position of football in both instances, right? Both those guys are playing above their skis and they're good football players, but they're also playing better because of the coaching, right? And and the stuff that they've done there to kind of maximize those players. So I think those, I mean, he's he's the best candidate in football right now. And I think if I'm him, I'd probably go i probably go to San Diego or no to the chargers because yeah. of the Herbert connection. But again, like this, this job I think is going to be very appealing and maybe you, you know, you, you put something out there, you get a good land there and I, I think he'd be excellent. But I think all those guys I just mentioned, even, um, even Shane day up in Seattle, you know, the offensive coordinator, uh, Shane there. Waldron, Shane yeah. Waldron, excuse me. Yeah. I think, I think is another interesting guy too. You know, a guy that's yeah. been around. I know he's got it. I don't know if he's got the, the right. other stuff. I, and that's truly, I don't know. Yeah, and I've and I know Shane because he was here on this staff. Like, think about okay. that. Like, how crazy this this is. Like this, yeah, this Washington tree. He was here, and he's an excellent guy. Now, can he be that leader? And the question is, I don't know. But a lot of like I just said, like when I went through our like little rolodex of coaches that we know, I didn't know for those guys either. But they grew and they developed, and um, and to me, it's the football mind and the obsession that you see. But I do think those two guys we mentioned at the top are are really high on the list. Obviously, the two defensive coaches we mentioned are pretty high on my list as well because they've seen they've seen that thing we're trying to get here in Washington, and they understand yeah. how to do it. So I think that's what I would. But again, there's a lot of really bright dudes out there from bright organizations. Last thing I'll say real quick: score some uh, brownie points with Logan, but also I, I firmly believe this. I love a tight ends coach. Yeah, uh, a guy with a tight ends coach background because he understands a pass game. He understands a run game. Like tight end is the ultimate position in terms of understanding everything, pass pro, run blocking, route running, like how you interact with the quarterback. Tight ends coaches tend to do that as well as anyone, like Sean, former tight ends coach. Yeah. Um, you know, McDaniel did some tight ends work uh, in his in his day. Well, he was a, I mean, a run like run game. Like think about his progression, yeah. receiver to run game coordinator. And I think under right. like that point you're talking about. He has the pass protection and the run game stuff in conjunction with the passing game, and so you got. I think you got to look for that in that in that yeah. guy in that. And Ben Johnson line. and Frank Smith, tight yes. coaches, right by trade.